This episode is sponsored by Voyager and Sovereign. Stay tuned for more information on both later in the episode. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast. When crypto traders think of technical analysis, one platform immediately comes to mind, TradingView. What you may not know is that it's actually the 125th largest website in the entire world. Behind the massive success of this fascinating company is today's guest, Pierce Crosby, TradingView's general manager. Pierce found his way to TradingView through an unconventional career path, including radio, writing, social networking, and investing. The common denominator for Pierce and TradingView that I look forward to exploring is their fascination and curiosity with markets, along with how a successful community is built. Pierce, then, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Long time. Thanks, Scott. So before we get into the questions, once again, you are listening to the Wolf of Wall Street's podcast. We're here two times every single week. I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin finance, trading, art, music, sports, and politics. And this show is powered by BlockWorks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network. You can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. And if you like the podcast and follow me on Twitter, then you should check out my website, join my newsletter, check out my YouTube, doing a lot of things. You can find all that at thewolfofallstreets.io. Now that we're done with all of that, so, man, I heard that you have a very special relationship with meme coin that I would really like to explore. I have a special relationship with the original meme coin, which is Doge. Like it's my favorite thing I've ever traded in history. I call it my favorite asset of all time because it's so dumb and so profitable and so easy to trade. So I'd love to hear your meme, meme coin story. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great one. And again, thanks for having me and I'm a big fan of the show. I uh listen every week. And, um, awesome. and broadly speaking, the, the candidness of, um, of the interviews is, is the best thing about it. You know, I think a lot of people are super formal on, on these things, but I think the more, you know, like uh, weird random stories you can get into, it's the best way to like learn, you know, how some of the things are. You know, I, I appreciate that. So a, I've heard you're the king of weird random stories yeah. <laughs> and, and B it's actually an evolution. I think of a podcast. I, when I started, it was very formal and I had my questions in advance. I knew exactly. And then I sort of threw that all out the window one day and started yeah. just having conversations. So I'm glad that that's being reflected, but I would love to hear about your relationship with yeah. meme coin. <laughs> So, um, well, so Jordan Leal's uh, one of the uh, teams at, uh, at Consensus, and uh, I guess he does BizDev, CorpDev for them. Um, he, he built a landing page on a random Friday that was basically um, uh, a coin generator. And the idea being is, you know, you could quickly use this piece of code and generate a new coin and ship it immediately. This was basically during the heat of um, the summer, and, and we had this huge explosion of, of DeFi and the whole DeFi movement. So everybody's staking, everybody's looking to leverage their staking by doing, you know, other kind of, um, you know, loan opportunities on top of, you know, different, different coins and chains. And um, so uh, I basically was sent a telegram channel, which was Jordan's uh, that he set up on a Friday and uh, quickly the, the, um, the platform had actually been completely co-opted by a bunch of developers. And, and it was a joke in the first place, right? So like there was no actual code that could build, you know, coins right out the gate. But um, a developer in the channel actually said, well, I can just build one right now if you guys want. And uh, within 20 to 30 minutes, he had uh, basically sent out a, a listserv so you could put in your, uh, your Ethereum address and, and more or less he airdropped everybody 300 meme coin um, out of the blue. And it cost him something like, you know, 120 bucks or something like that, yeah. which he, you know, sold it back to pay his costs. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, everybody that had been randomly invited to this Telegram channel 
had 300 meme coin. Um, and you know, this is a Friday night. I think the timing was around, let's see, I was over in California at the time. It was probably like 7 PM and, uh, somehow, I mean, you know how it works on the weekends with crypto. So like all of a sudden, you know, there's a thousand people in the chat room. Um, and, uh, it's really just like growing in real time. So a couple people started building memes, literally like uh, jokes on the joke. Um, it was kind of like memeception. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> next thing you know, I mean, uh, you know, people are asking where can they buy? How can they buy? And the whole joke was like, don't buy meme. This is a joke. Man, wasn't that actually the web address or something? It was like, don't buy meme.com or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, that all came later. This was literally just organic. They were just like, this is stupid. Let's, let's do something ridiculous. And, um, I mean, next thing you know, right. Uh, we were, you know, we were sitting on like a hundred bucks and then all of a sudden it's a thousand bucks. And all of a sudden it's, you know, I mean, at the peak, um, I think meme got up to like 1200 per, per coin or something like that. By the time, you know, I, I'd actually sold most of it. And so I was just watching it and, uh, but absolutely incredible. And, and really just, you know, completely shell shocked me as to, it's very like reminiscent of the ICO days, but, um, Oh, you mean when you have nothing and it turns into $360,000 overnight? Yes. That sounds reminiscent of a certain thing. Exactly what it was. If I had held to the, to the actual absolute peak, it would be 360 just yeah. right out the gate. And, and the best part about it was that it was equally distributed. So you didn't have whales. Um, so everybody had 300. And so it was like a perfectly distributed leisure. It was, re- it was really awesome. But, um, yeah. Anyways, that's my, that's my story about me. It's a fantastic one. And, uh, Jordan's Jordan's amazing too. I mean, it's amazing. That is so, that is so 2020 and so summer of 2020 and so DeFi boom and bubble of 2020 is that you can create something that's literally nothing and make money of out of that. I don't know what that says about this space. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun experiment, but, uh, can you imagine the meme stock getting listed on like NASDAQ that did nothing and everyone got the money for free. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, but you know, now they've pivoted to be like the, the coin for the, for the art world. So, I mean, That's I know the NFT. We, yeah. We talked to Blau the other day and it was, um, it's pretty interesting to hear like that intersection of art, music and, and culture. And, um, yeah, like the meme culture is now kind of being pushed into the art culture in a way. And if they, can be like the underlying, uh, you know, coin for NFT projects. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, it's awesome that they found a real use case so that it doesn't yeah. literally go to zero while some people are, <laughs> while some people are holding it. And yeah, NFT is a whole other conversation that I love. And I had Blau obviously on the podcast. He's a friend and, uh, had an incredible conversation about that. So I want to like pivot a bit just into trading view. I was actually really shocked when I, uh, read doing research that was the 125th largest website in the world. Not that I didn't think you guys were huge, but that's massive, yeah. right? I mean, that's, that's massive. Why is that? Because there's not that many traders on the planet, are there? Or maybe there are, maybe I'm mistaken. I just kind of felt like traders were a small insular community, certainly not enough to, you know, drive more traffic than some of the biggest websites in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, to be honest, it shocks me a little bit every day when I look at that number. Um, broadly speaking, it comes down to your frame of reference. And I mean, you and I both sit here in the, I guess you're still in the U S right. You're not over in the Caymans yet. I, yeah. I've been, um, not, so, if not for COVID and, and having a baby, maybe. <laughs> um, so broadly speaking, like your frame of reference in the U S is that there's about 
40 million people who have something invested. So meaning, you know, they have stocks or they have a 401k or something like that. So, I mean, from that like lens, you got to think about, okay, well, how many of these people actually are internet savvy, you know, a small fraction of that. And how many of them are actually active traders, right? The small fraction of that. So you're looking at like a couple million users and it's like, all right, well, how do you build a business around that? And, um, well, you got to zoom out and actually think, okay, we're actually a global platform. And for those who don't know, there's tradingview.com, but there's also um, tradingview uh, China, there's tradingview Japan, there's tradingview uh, Portuguese, uh, Spanish. And so we have about 25 different language versions that all operate independent of each other. And so while tradingview.com has kind of grown over time, you know, mostly with the, the audience in the US and the UK, um, we've had these huge explosions of traffic around the world um, for places that basically don't have any uh, comparable access to technology. I mean, you know, in the U.S., we're probably the most uh, advanced in terms of, you know, financial tech and availability. And, you know, this is like the 90s boom of the E-trades of the world and, and what have you. There's always been technology here to invest. Um, but technology in, you know, say Brazil is very, very kind of uncommon in terms of like the scale of, of data you can get, the scale of charting you can get, visualizations you can get. And so we were kind of going from zero to one in a lot of these countries where they really had nothing. Um, right. We're bringing kind of the scale and expertise that we built here in the U.S. Um, to these markets that, that basically were just like shell-shocked by what they could get. And as you know, I mean, 80% of the product is free, right? So you get yep. so much information and not even pay a dollar. Um, people were just clamoring to it all over the place. So U.S. is still our largest business and probably about 40% of the total. But um, that means 60% of that is is international and, and growing at an insanely fast pace. So, you know, like India wasn't even our top 10 country last year. India is now number two for us. Wow. And, and really, it's still tiny. I mean, it's really just getting started. So I mean, a few billion people over there. Yeah, exactly. And the theme goes for, for China. I mean, we've really barely even scratched the surface in China. But um, for those who know kind of traditional equity markets, um, you know, China's very uh, gambling culture or, you know, very interested in kind of this active investing lifestyle. And, you know, that translates to places like Macau and places like Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've barely gotten started there. And um, yeah, so I mean, if you really use that as your frame of reference, I mean, the total addressable is going to be uh, in the millions of millions rather than, you know, maxing out at 5 million investors in the US or something like that. And so that's really the story, I think, of how we got to, to 125. But I mean, to be clear, even last year, we were about 300. Um, so in the last, you know, I mean, since the pandemic started, we've, we've already run up another, you know, 175 places. That and, makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. uh, the, the growth during the pandemic makes so much sense to me because obviously you touched on it. Listen, there's a gambling element to trading, of course. Uh, you know, you said that that's sort of culturally Chinese, but I mean, people sitting at home with nothing to do and they can't, and even the gamblers can't find things to gamble on. Sports. Right. Uh, like sports were gone. And so, of course, you know, they, they find this. But what I find really interesting is that, you know, you sort of touched on E-Trade and all these platforms. There have always been platforms where you could trade, but that's not really what you guys do, right? Uh, you're obviously offering an ability to chart and find trades and find information. And through APIs, you can trade on exchanges, but you're not an exchange. So those really aren't your 
competitors. You have to actually find people not only who want to invest or trade money, but you have to find the ones that care enough to actually go and chart and seek that information. Yeah. So I, I, I just find it still astounding that there's that many people out there. It's great. Yeah, I, I think it's so good for all of us. Yeah. And one thing to, to think about that people don't um, really know. So we, we do integrate a lot of these trading firms and we're kind of just getting started in that. It's like um, an initiative that they, they actually brought me on to, um, to uh, kind of launch two years ago. And uh, I mean, uh, broadly speaking, a lot of web um, trading firms, like, you know, whether it's a trade station or a OANDA, um, they actually are deprioritizing their own platforms um, because they actually think the trading view will be the number one place that people trade from. Um, and so we started as kind of a research and analysis product, but then quickly we're actually shifting into being like the full service. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll never be a broker ourselves and it's kind of like of against our thesis, but, um, but if we can actually provide trading through these, you know, best in class partners, I mean, boom, it's, it's everything we need, right? Yeah, it's a one-stop shop for everything. But I think a huge element of it is the social aspect, right? I mean, it's a it's a social media platform as well as a trading platform. Um, and so obviously it keeps, I would imagine, users engaged. It keeps them on the site. It keeps them interacting with one another as opposed to just kind of coming and looking at a blank slate, right? Yeah, totally. And that's the thing is, I mean, brokers are inherently limited in what they can do from a, from a regulatory standpoint or a compliance standpoint. So like you'd never see TD Ameritrade, you know, launch a social network. Right. But, uh, but because we are kind of this, you know, market neutral platform. Um, yeah. I mean, you basically take the training wheels off. I mean, people, people chat, you know, all day, every day. And, you know, they're also sharing kind of uh, investment ideas or kind of longer form research. Um, but, you know, we kind of make it a very open framework so that there's no requirement to like, you have to talk about, you know, uh, this as an investment or, you know, this as a, as a trading idea, it's kind of just like come and, and hang out. And, um, yeah, I mean, people, people, you know, make it what they will. I mean, some people are, you know, in there, you know, trading a specific commodity every day and it's like a little niche. Um, and then other people are looking at, you know, general market trends or, or news or what have you. I mean, you know, as well as that, I mean, there's millions of different types of traders. And so oh yeah, we try to kind of like keep it as open as possible so that, people can find their little thing and then just nerd out on that until, until, uh, yeah. Yeah, until they're white and uh, get off the computer. <laughs> it's, it's a, like for a lot of us, it's sort of like our equivalent of adult video games or something. Certainly it's just kind of where you hang out and play, but yeah, I'm just laughing in my head because I remember, I don't know now, but in like 2017, the biggest trader on trading view was like magic poop cannon. Yeah. Right. And I used to just <laughs> laugh and, and wonder how that was possible, <laughs> you know, like and how yeah, we could take our space seriously when the magic poop cannon was the most popular trader. But I guess that's what happens obviously with the social aspect is that you get sort of the YouTuber types who are great at engagement, who rise to the top, whether they're the best or not the best, but you know, that's the social mm -hmm. side and not necessarily the trading side. And it's not yeah. financial advice, obviously, but no, no, but it's, it's a good point. And, you know, I think, working in kind of social networks for, for a while now. I mean, I can tell you there's, there's an element of power law to all of, um, all of the internet, right? I mean, it, unfortunately, the way it works is, you know, the person with the largest megaphone gets the most traction, right? And that's, um, that's kind of the natural state of the internet, right? I mean, um, I always look to Reddit because it's the most distributed, but you quickly feel or realize that Reddit is actually, 
you know, 10% of the users generate more than 90% of the content. Uh, Pareto okay. principle. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's general power law. And, uh, so we, we were very much trying to shift that away from kind of these, you know, uh, power users to be more kind of level-headed, if you will. And, and there is kind of a value in this element of discovery as well. Um, because, you know, I mean, much like, I don't know if you use Spotify, but for me, like the, sure. the, the discover feature in Spotify is kind of like the golden ticket because, you know, otherwise I would just operate in this lens of this is the music I like. But in fact, you know, Spotify uses a bunch of different algorithms, more than five, in fact, that all compound on each other to understand what music do you like? What music do your friends like? Is there some kind of cascading overlap there? If you have that uh, in, in kind of combination with other musicians, you know, they'll give you kind of recommendations. And so we actually think that, you know, from a trading perspective, you know, you have a trading style. This person has a trading style we could actually start generating these interesting overlaps between, uh, between various parties rather than having it just be, you know, this guy posts the most hilarious charts. Therefore, you know, he's going to get the most engagement, which is, um, Magic I don't know, but, <laughs> but, but I, that's such an interesting, um, such an interesting comparison, Spotify, obviously like my background is in DJing. And so I watched, you know, music discovery, uh, evolve from literally like you had to have a guy at the record store who like every, it was late, late nineties for me. So I had, you know, I had a friend at the record store and every week he would pull the stuff he thought I liked and put it aside for me. I would listen to it and I would buy whatever I wanted. And then obviously slowly we got to MP3s and it became like iTunes, but more music blogs. And you would dig into music blogs, the ones you liked that sort of had your taste and you would find the music you liked and then go try to find it. Spotify destroyed all of that. Mm. Right. And Spotify understands my musical taste better than I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you guys are effectively hacking our brains, just like <laughs> Spotify are and then giving us exactly what, you know, we want before we know we want it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the goal. That's, I mean, that's the goal. And, and, you know, thinking about a platform and like what our, what our purpose is, I think that, you know, trying to help people learn more about themselves is kind of, uh, kind of an interesting thing that, you know, most people wouldn't think that, you know, a trading platform would, would, uh, would focus on, but, but again, that's what kind of differentiates us from, you know, just like a broker or a media website is we're trying to make this personal. And, and to be honest, I mean, you know, you know, as well as I do, I mean, like trading is kind of a lonely sport, right. And so if we make it, um, you know, some, somewhat collaborative, right. Like it's more of an interactive game multiplayer, right. That's the way I think of it is, you know, how can we be multiplayer? Um, then, um, then yeah, we've served our purpose. You know, we're not just giving you, you know, sick charts. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Charts are sick though. Sick and charts. like, you know, I, I found one of the most engaging things early about you. Cause I think I can't remember the name of the other platform, Coinigy maybe that I tried something like that. And like, it was so much less customizable yeah. and didn't have sort of those social aspects. And it immediately turned me off and I immediately was drawn to trading view because I could change the colors of my charts and do all these things. It's just like, you really understood what people wanted. And mm -hmm. I even find being able to differentiate the color of my charts differentiates me as a trader and people recognize my charts on, on Twitter. It's been a huge thing for engagement and growth. So even those simple things, I think, it, but I think it all leads back here now to community development, which I think you have a long history of, I understand. And, and I know that you mentioned the Anderson Horowitz theme, and, and I'm curious as to, to what that is when it re refers to community development. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I was, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day. 
it's it's really funny if you tap into to like VC Twitter, um, how quickly people um, want to engage with you because either either they're a VC themselves or or they um, or they you know basically want to attract the attention of the of the various VCs. They need but, money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the spectrum. Either you're looking for money or you have. Um, so so I was uh, talking about how. Um, it's really interesting that Andreessen, um, which is, you know, kind of the, the darling of Silicon Valley has, you know, most recently, you know, launched this huge kind of uh, profile on how social is kind of the, the, um, the hidden gem for all successful um, products in, in modern technology. And, you know, how there's like layers around a given product that create moats um, that make it really hard to displace. And, um, I thought it was, I mean, a great piece in the sense that if Andreessen's taking this seriously, it's like a huge validator for the last, you know, uh, eight or so years of my life. But uh, it's it's really interesting because, you know, before my time at, at TradingView, I worked at a company called StockTwits, which um, right. very much was basically chat for traders. And that was the core purpose. Um, and we at the time didn't really understand what we were building. We were just kind of creating a cool place for people to hang out and talk about stocks. But but um, the value of networks and, and kind of um, communities uh, built around anything, you know, whether, I mean, music is a great example because, you know, like I always think of the SoundCloud community and how it's, um, it's insane the amount of content that people like, you know, are commenting are you know, posting uh, mixtapes or like recutting other people's music, et cetera. And like if SoundCloud didn't have those social features, you know, would you even hang out on SoundCloud? It's like, nope. So in, in the same way, like, you know, it seems kind of totally distinctly different businesses, but, but actually you realize um, the, the social layer is kind of um, the core differentiator between success and failures. And um, interesting. You know, for finance specifically, um, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of people just approach it like best in class tools and that's all. But, but really, you know, what you want is that personal validation and, um, and kind of, to be honest, what I call is like a support network, um, because, you know, we know in the trading world, you know, there's, there's success and then there's failure and, um, you know, surviving those downturns is, is kind of the, the most important part of anybody's journey in investing. Um, and so if you have a group that you can coalesce with, and to be honest, in stock twits, um, you know, we covered say us companies specifically, but if somebody was trading like a small cap and, and literally got blown up, um, there would immediately be a network of people that also got blow, blown out of the water. And you can basically coalesce around that and like talk about how like, you know, I'm going to make it, I'm going to survive. And, you know, I mean, a lot of them were like absolute bag holders, but, but the fact that they had somebody to chat to about that was, um, was kind of a really, you know, interesting um, nuance. Right. Cause I mean, before that you just, blow up and then you close your fucking account and help. <laughs> in crypto, we call them passionate community members, right? You start as a trader, then you become an investor, then you become a passionate community member when it goes down 95% and you're afraid to sell. SoundCloud is another amazing corollary for, for what you guys do. Um, my whole career was SoundCloud. Wow. as a musician, right? Because you were able, like you said, to get this feedback loop, you would post something, people would comment, you knew it was good. You'd make more like it, you know, you'd see it grow. And the death of my music career was when SoundCloud removed my account for copyright infringement. Right. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it was very much a, uh, you know, I was very much 
No ca- the counterparty that's risk. Your, that's your whole brand, right? It's like built into that network, right? Yep. Yeah. So, and I can see, and I always joke that um, the reason I love charts chart so much is it reminds me of being in Ableton or Logic or Pro Tools, kind of mm-hmm. like the same hacks and the same sort of, you're just, you know, staring at a screen and moving things around. And so for me, it's just very familiar. And thinking about what you guys do in SoundCloud now, it makes so much sense. I just never really thought about it in context. So it's so interesting for you to put it that way. Yep. 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 No, I mean, and, and the thing is, uh, so most of the team here, so, um, you know, I'd love to have you just chat with the CEO at some point too, but most of the team here comes from uh, very much a, a technology heavy background. You know, before this, they, they actually built um, the core uh, technology for a company called eSignal, which was a big broker back in the day. Um, they also worked for for TradeStation for a long time, building the the core coding software for TradeStation, like very in the weeds stuff that um, that is essential for traders. But um, but they approach it purely from kind of a technology standpoint. Whereas um, when I joined, you know, I came from the social world, and I actually brought over uh, one of my close friends um, to work with us as well from the social side of things. And you know, the combination is is pretty incredible because. Um, they have, I mean, we have 170 developers now and, um, you know, they are constantly cranking out incredible product, but now they see it not just as a single player game, but a multiplayer game. And, and that's kind of, I think what we really bring to the table is kind of, you know, enlightening them to the fact that this is, um, this is actually like a collaborative software. And you mentioned like pro tools or something like that, you know, back in the day when I was a journalist, um, you know, the standard in the industry was, um, What's it called? It's um, it's like a production software. Um, well, Final well, Cut Pro, but the Avid Avid is the one I'm thinking of. So right. so Avid in in uh, television production, which is yeah, you, know, you needed the whole board. It was like a, yeah. it was like a full station, and then Final Cut obviously just needed your computer, and it destroyed yeah. Avid. I mean, an yeah. Avid setup was like tens of thousands of dollars. Sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto and is 100% commission free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 50 top crypto assets and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank account so you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they're offering up to 6.5 APR on Bitcoin and up to 9.5% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, up to 9.5%. And there are no limits or lockups, which means your funds always stay liquid. Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's scott two five. Sovereign is an uncensorable, no KYC, Bitcoin trading and lending platform and one of the very first Bitcoin native DeFi platforms. Finally, start trading your Bitcoin in a permissionless and decentralized way today just by connecting your private wallet. Earn interest on your Bitcoin and get paid for lending assets via the Sovereign Decentralized Exchange. Get up to five times leverage on long and short trades using USDT, BTC, and Bitcoin-backed stablecoins, all with no KYC and always maintaining control of your keys. Sovereign is one of the safest DeFi platforms on the market. Built on the RSK Bitcoin sidechain, block times are around 30 seconds and are merged mined with the Bitcoin blockchain. Join today and get your first month's trading fees completely free. Just go to Sovereign.app slash Wolf. And if you're one of the first 100, you can claim a $100 bonus. Go to Sovereign.app slash Wolf today and stay sovereign. Once again, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N dot A-P-P slash W-O-L-F. Yeah, but the, the reason Avid still exists is that it's multiplayer. And, and that's the inside of production studios. It's super necessary. 
to have these multiplayer software so that, you know, you can, you know, produce a piece and then ship it to another part of the team. You know, they bring it in, color correct it, they send it off to production, but it's all done inside of this Avid platform. I think of the same probably with uh, like the Adobe products, you know, it sure. started with yep. a single player and then you can start sharing it and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that multiplayer is kind of what we've been focused on now. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously we're refining the core charts all the time, but, but building that multiplayer layer is, um, it's been a, a, a pretty cool project to work on. And it's amazing to do it at the scale that we're doing it at too. Cause we got to, got to build multiplayer for Japan. We got to build multiplayer for, for China, for, you know, for Indonesia, for, who knew that the Philippines was such a hot place for trading, but dude, it's huge. It's enormous. Dollar to dollar in a dream, man. You know, it's <laughs> an, anywhere that people think that they can uh, have a disproportionate chance to get wealthy with a little bit of money. They're wrong, but you know, that, that's where you generally find it. And you touched on stock twits. I know you were there for, for years. Um, and I know Howard Lindzen is like a very famous hedge fund manager investor, right? And he, that's his thing. So I have to ask, were you into finance before this or is that where you really kind of, you know, got your, your training in finance, working for someone as legendary as that, and then also engaging with traders probably all day because of your role? Yeah. Well, I mean, so no, Howard discovered me because of my previous work in, in, in finance and in the space. Funny enough, we actually met on Twitter um, which just shows the power of social networks again. But what I kid you not, literally we met on Twitter. And, um, you know, uh, when I was in college, obviously, you know, being a young budding entrepreneur, you know, I thought, okay, well, I can trade my way out of student debt and, oh, uh, and okay. manage to uh, <laughs> blow myself up twice. Um, but, uh, you know, learned a lot of lessons and obviously, you know, uh, trading on a small enough account that, you know, it's, it didn't, it didn't kind of wipe me out completely right. and here I am today. But, um, no, as a result, I was, I was pretty early on Twitter kind of, you know, again, looking for interesting trading ideas and, um, yeah, as a result, I mean, I, I, I talked to Howard probably 2009, 2010, right after the financial crisis, which is when Stockwitz was really being born, um, and, you know, I went a different route uh, than actually, you know, going straight into the investing world. Um, I, I became a reporter. I basically wanted to report on the industry uh, more than actually being a market participant myself. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of had a background in it. You know, I'd done it all through school. Um, I was actually the founder of our television station at my, uh, at my college campus. Nice. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so it was always interesting to me, but I, I never really had the guts to like step into the ring and like, you know, do that full time or go work at an investment bank. It just didn't really strike me as something that I was really capable of, to be honest. And reporting, you know, and writing is, is much more of like a, a consuming process. You're just like pulling in all this information and then the job really is just to consolidate that into a, into a tight format, um, which seemed easier at the time. And, and that's kind of what I did uh, for you know, working at Reuters and, and working at a couple other publications. But, um, you know, at some point in time, I was, I was really thinking about it and looking at the long term of, uh, of, a, of a job like Reuters. I mean, you basically sit at the same desk until the person next to you dies. I mean, at the end of the day, like the only way you yeah. grow up in a company like that is you know, when somebody retires or, or leaves for another job. And so I was kind of thinking high level, like, all right, well, I could do this for another 10 years, um, just grinding away, which is what really good reporters do. You know, they really love just writing and that's it. 
Um, but I kind of thought, you know, I wanted to do something a little more, um, you know, dynamic and, and see how fast I could grow. And so being the first employee at StockTwits um, in oh, wow. New York back in 2000, well, 2012. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm hugely indebted to Howard for that because I had no kind of um, business background. And he said, you know, I mean, give it a shot, see what you can do. And, you know, I mean, th- that company now is, 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 um, is also still booming. I mean, they, they have, you know, 45 people, they're doing great revenues. I'm still an investor, of course. Um, of course, and, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, a, it's been a great one, but yeah. No, so you should. tried trading, you tried trading and you uh, blew up your account uh, a couple of times. And I know the answer to this, but do you remember what you blew it up on and what the mistake was that you made? Yeah, this is really funny, actually, and, and super timely. Um, Tesla and Solar City. <laughs> Did you know? Solar City. Oh, my God. What a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. What a train wreck. I mean, how funny that, like, you know, time horizon, right? Like, it's really, it comes down to, you know, what are you doing trying to pick up pennies in front of a steamroller? I mean, I, I definitely thought that the active trader approach was right for me. Um, but I mean, it, it's a full-time job and, you know, I mean, I, I was at the time like doing other jobs and like, you know, having side hustles and, um, you know, also living in beautiful California not really, um, having the motivation to like, you know, just do this day in day out. I mean, it's a system, it's a process. It's super, it is. you gotta be super vigilant about it. And, um, yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, over That's time fun. I've evolved into more kind of like uh, a momentum kind of investor, but. But I mean, to be day in, day out, just, you know, click trading and looking for those levels and making that repeatable. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely blew myself up on Tesla and were, uh, were yeah. you like, but like, were you shorting it or you were just way too early and stopping out? Yeah. Way too early playing earnings and, um, and basically, um, yeah, just playing intraday levels. Um, I mean, the charts back in the day, um, were, trade station charts. I remember having the, the downloadable software, which to, to me is like still amazing to think that we would, you know, download these huge softwares to run locally versus run everything in the web. But, um, but yeah, no, no. And, and uh, yeah, basically putting on position trades and, and looking for, you know, uh, a 0.5% uptick or downtick and then take profit, move on. You were, you were scalping the hell out of it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember Imagine if you had just left all that money in Tesla uh, t- 10 years ago. I mean, my, my uh, uh, good friend kind of, uh, his, his dad actually put in 40 grand when they IPO'd and hasn't sold a dollar of it. And um, yeah, so retirement fund is just there whenever. Yeah, now his kids have a trust fund and his kids' kids have a trust fund. Congrats. It's so crazy. Like, you know, we all have anyone who's traded looks back and sees these assets that have been done a thousand times or, or whatever since and has that feeling. But, you know, it's impossible to really uh, maintain any sort of positive mentality if you view trading that way. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, whatever. At least, at least uh, I didn't put in my entire net worth. Right. So here we are today. I mean, you know, this year has been incredible, you know, on a personal note, just for, you know, investing, but I think it is for everybody. Right. I mean, it's yeah, delusional how, like, I actually know something's wrong in the markets when like, I'm doing really well. Like I feel definitely <laughs> <laughs> <very> suspicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the same with the crypto world. I mean, 
I remember uh, we we actually invited um, Fred Wilson to speak at this uh, Stockfitz conference back in, uh, it's called Stocktoberfest. I kid you not, literally. <laughs> um, it actually made no sense because it was in May. Well, we, we initially had one in October, so that did make sense. But then we launched a sequel in New York in, in May and it was big flashy conference. We spent ridiculous amounts of money on the space. Um, somehow I've managed to like squeeze water out, for, out of the rock and like we made a profit on it. But it's a huge waste of cash. I've, I've never kind of done that scale of event before and never do it again. In New uh, York. Oh my no, God. in New York alone. Yeah, exactly. So Fred, Fred, uh, Fred came to speak. Uh, he's a longtime friend of Howard's. Um, and uh, he, you know, had just actually made his investment in uh, Coinbase. And um, so he, you know, got on stage. He's very kind of nimble about talking specifically about you know, a specific asset, right? Like whether it's, uh, at the time it was basically Litecoin, Ethereum and, and, and Bitcoin, that was it really. And um, so he said, you know, I, I, I really can't say where things are gonna go uh, or anything like that, but I can tell you that, you know, 5% of your, of your, of your net wealth in, in one of these assets is, is the best way to just at least approach the market and learn about it. And um, I mean, wow, I mean, what a, what a kind of foresight. So. I mean, I watched, uh, you know, that and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I bought it. And then that summer, I mean, we had this huge fallout so, from the from 2017 all the way down to, um, God, in 2018, what, it was trading at like less than 4,000 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but here we are now. That's all irrelevant. Water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. If you're an investor, it never happened. That's the beauty of being an investor is it, you know, probably just gave you an opportunity to buy some cheaper before it went up. So if you talk about the Coinbase IPO, I got an email from one of my good friends yesterday who was friends with Brian Armstrong way back and had an opportunity to invest in Coinbase for 10,000 bucks in I think 2012 when it was coming out of Y Combinator. And my friend was just like, I didn't understand it, whatever. And I mean, my friend is very level-headed. I got this email from him yesterday that was just like a string of bad words. It was like $21 million at IPO on $10,000. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a moron. But that's the same thing. It's that same feeling that you were there early. And then, you know, but like $10,000 was a whole lot of money back then. Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah. But I think, you know, clearly everybody has a story like that. So I, I want to ask you, is TradingView, you guys are so huge. Is it primarily crypto traders or is that just crypto traders who think it's primarily crypto traders? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think about it like this. I, I actually do think that um, the majority of the crypto world is on TradingView. But um, but really, the, the crypto world is still small. I mean, Very. on a basis, right? So um, you got to think about kind of the larger um, spectrum of, of kind of traders and investors. So today, um, the way we look at it is we we basically analyze what's on somebody's watch list on TradingView, and then use that as inference to um, you know how focused are they on crypto or futures or forex or equities. Um, so right now, about about thirty five percent of the audience is crypto first, and that's really like their dominant asset. That's what they trade the most. Um, that's what they're watching every day. You know, these are the type of people that sign in and then look at, you know, spreads between different coins or, you know, look at intraday charts, et cetera, all, you know, kind of with the interest of, of trading the asset. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so that, that leaves another two thirds of the, of the network for, um, for equities and FX and um, equities is still the dominant player. But um, I mean, it's really interesting because in certain markets, like, um, uh, 
you know, something like the Philippines as an example, almost all of them are trading um, FX and crypto. Whereas, um, you know, uh, in the U.S., it's predominantly an, an equities industry, and therefore, you know, the majority of our traffic is going to be equities oriented. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and then you know, for Europe, they love FX. Um, they haven't even really discovered you know crypto comparatively, which I think is really interesting when you start to think about you know some of these big players that have been there forever, like Kraken, Bitstamp, etc. I mean, huge, you know, kind of uh, in the U.S. at least. Um, but uh, still relatively kind of unheard of. And, and um, yeah, so, I mean, if, if we do see kind of that growth, um, I'd expect crypto will, will definitely grow a lot more. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, still a small piece of the puzzle. I would bet that number flips in three years, 66% yeah. crypto. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to mark it down and do one of those remind me tweets now and like to, to, to remind me that I said this. <laughs> I'll do that for sure. Just to see what it does. Um, Scott yeah. said my business will be two thirds crypto. <laughs> yeah. um, what an idiot. Actually, you know, I'll tell you, like, yeah, what a fucking idiot. Um, no, no, but the, uh, the price action, I mean, we, we definitely do see. I, I do really want to kind of build an indicator for this, but um, crypto interest this fall is obviously skyrocketing, right? So on a relative basis, crypto is 30%, but in terms of like the recent boom, um, yeah, I mean, it's huge and uh, really started in mid-October. Um, I mean, I think it had to do a lot with the election, people kind of being very unsure, you know, uh, what's going to happen and not, not wanting to risk money elsewhere. Um, and so just putting money to work in crypto just so that either they can, you know, ride it out or, um, or relatively speaking, you know, trade through it. Um, but, but a lot of that interest hasn't gone away. And, um, so, I mean, I would assume that if price action continues at the rate we're currently trending at, um, you, you might be, you might be, uh, I guess, uh, surprised. It might, might be three months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be a couple months away. Um, but yeah, so it, it really just depends on, on price action overall. I do think DeFi also helped a lot. I don't know what yeah. you said. I mean, helped then hurt, but yeah. yeah. Helped hurt and helped again, maybe. I think, uh, for, you know, obviously there was a bubble, but now it's rising from the ash, ashes like a scam phoenix that it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every chart that I pull up from like the whole DeFi summer, it's just this giant lineup and giant line down. Like it's... It, so... You know, crypto is like one year in crypto is 10 years in any other market. Yeah. And one year in DeFi is like the same. It's like the same. So then like, you know, one year in crypto, it's like one month in DeFi. So and I talk about that all the, all the time. The life cycle of a DeFi project, you know, an ICO used to at least take a couple of months before it would like be charting and trading on exchanges. People could have an idea for a food coin. It could be built 24 hours later, trading on a major exchange like Binance 48 hours later, up a hundred X and down back to zero in a week. Yeah. And that, that's the whole life cycle of an asset, any other market. So insane. Yeah. I can't imagine. So how do you, so let me ask you then, how do you deal with that sort of uh, velocity? I mean, by the time you can add a chart, it might be a dead asset, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with keeping up with something like DeFi? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, broadly speaking, we, um, we actually look to the, to the biggest players in the, in the exchange side of things to be right. the providers of record for a lot of that. And so we kind of, we kind of give it to them to kind of choose as to what they think. 
Um, so a good example is uh, is FTX actually. Of course, you know we we um, we integrate um, data feeds from FTX, and so as a result, we we integrate the feeds that FTX um, provides around DeFi. You know, likewise for for Uniswap, we you know we integrated Uniswap directly, um, but really only the top hundred coins because right. um, we we really kind of have to be careful about you know like some of these things literally blow up within less than twenty four hours, right? Yeah, full rug pull. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's I mean when when literally rug Sad. pull is like in the white paper, you gotta I mean you gotta you gotta be really careful as to what you're. Just need good about. timing. <laughs> get really rich you just gotta be, be there before yeah it's really crazy and i assumed that ftx was going to be your example i i talked to sam begman fried recently uh on the podcast and we talked about that and he said like their real edge is that you know they're a tight team their developers are committed and they can have something listed and trading with leverage within you know 20 minutes yep 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 yeah and i and i do appreciate the speed it just um it really comes down to the choices that they're making. And, you know, we think really that, you know, since they're regulated, as is most of the exchanges, um, you know, they probably have a better sense of what's, what's legit in their, in their, you know, mindset. And for the most part, we try to work with um, companies that are regulated in the U S specifically, because they have kind of the highest bar of um, kind of regulatory standards. So maybe we can't like, you know, offer all these crazy coins, but, but, to be honest, we have some kind of sense of what's, what's safe and, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, leave the other 99% of it for, um, yeah, for whatever other platforms are trying to, it, you know, I mean, coming from the equities world, I could tell you, it, it, it mirrors exactly the low floats and kind of OTC products. Sure. And it, it, it stocked with, we, we never listed any of that at trading view. We don't list any of that because, you know, I mean, it's the exact same way that people blow themselves up. And it's just a different asset class and the speed. They make for great memes though. Make for great memes and very funny charts, but yes. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah I agree. Can't really do it. So I know, I, I realize you guys just released at least a beta of a desktop app, which I have not tried yet, but I'm really excited about. Can you talk about that a little more? And what was the motivation for, you know, going from, I guess, browser-based to, to, to desktop? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, it's a, it's a really kind of, uh, it's an awesome upgrade that I'm, I'm excited for. And, you know, it's funny that it's gone full circle where, you know, back in the day there were desktop products, then everything went to the web. You know, we were the first ones to build HTML charts for the web, HTML5 charts for the web. And now here we are going full circle back to the desktop. Um, so uh, I, the biggest thing that we've seen is um, people that really want the advanced use case of TradingView, which uh, is multiple monitors, multiple screens, and running you know upwards of uh, 15 to 20 charts at a time. And you know, memory on on a given browser or CPU. You know, if you use Brave, if you use Chrome, if you use you know Safari. Ultimately, you're gonna you're gonna wreck yourself, or you know, part part of the web experience is gonna start hanging, and um, ultimately, you'll hit limitations. And um, you know, we realized that, um, and so we thought, okay, for for the real, you know, professional, if you will, that wants to have all these multiple monitors and screens, etc., you know, we can really take the the training wheels off and like give you the 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 whole whole experience and. Um, it's in beta right now. So, um, you know, if you go to the blog, you can download the beta version, but 
it's obviously quite limited. Um, you know, it'll start including a lot more features that you already see on the web. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a big upgrade, you know, in, in terms of our engineering team, you know, it's probably our most, um, uh, what would you call that most aggressive high performance engineering team that's working on this. So to give you a sense of where it is from a priority standpoint, it's, um, it's a very, very high priority. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love it so far. I mean, I've barely used kind of what it's capable of, but, um, I, I only have two monitors in my house. I don't know how many you've so, run yours, but, uh, yeah, just there's two. Yeah, that's it. I just use two. It's a Mac and an ancillary screen. And honestly, most of the time it's like one screen is for trading and one is like email and Twitter and all the other trash <laughs> people bothering me. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask, how did you come about the whole DM thing? Like, I think it's just, it's so incredible. Cause it's just the state of the industry that, that, I mean, that happens to you. It happens to everybody. It's, like, sure. it's so good that you just like turn it around on itself. Uh, it's an interesting question. So I don't think that there was so much thought behind it. I just thought that maybe it would be valuable as much as it's funny, it would be valuable to share sort of um, what kind of interaction people can tend to get privately, especially if you're doxxed in this space, you know, and that there's some risk, but also, you know, I think that a lot of people in, in crypto are younger and probably are extremely sensitive. Like any of us were in our twenties and they probably take those things to heart. So I thought that maybe it would be like helpful to just sort of make light of it. A, it would maybe disarm the trolling a bit because it becomes so almost like people now troll me, like, cause they think it's funny and know that it might get turned around on them and B just to show people that like, don't take it's it. Not a, it's not, yeah. It's not like a statement of your value as a human being because some idiot like is saying something negative. So it just sort of evolved from there. And I thought it was like a good content B, like I said, a good way to disarm the trolls and see just hopefully like a life lesson for people that like, none of this matters, like yeah. none of that matters. It's not serious. These people don't know you, yeah. you know, and you kind of have to like grow up, I guess, and be an adult to take that yeah. Yeah. position on it. But, um, and I honestly, now I just open my DMs and like, I die laughing. It, I turned it from like being for me, like the most horrible part of my day is, oh, maybe I'll look at my DMs today. It's like 9,000 messages, sir, money please. And now it's just like, I like go in there and just laugh at the things that people say to me. So, um, but yeah, and again, you know, that's, I think that's, uh, it's that social element, it's the community. And I think that it could, you know, if you can make something negative into a positive, same thing you probably take with your business is just keep the positivity and the community growing and people will continue to interact. Yeah. And we, you know, we have a, a global moderation team now. I don't think people know, but, um, it's about, it's about 25 or so folks around the, around the world. And, um, you know, they, they basically pick apart a lot of this stuff, uh, every day because, you know, community development is both positive and negative, right? There's, it's not always people sharing, you know, great memes and life is all good. I mean, um, people go after each other and especially when there's like money on the line, right? It gets super personal. Um, so it's, it's very important that we, you know, keep vigilant on that because, um, yeah, trolls, trolls will just, you know, continue to troll. And, um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're routinely banning people every day. Um, and, and a lot of it is also sharing or kind of limiting, um, trading ideas that might be kind of, um, you know, misleading or, or misrepresentative. How do you do that? Like, where's the, what is the quality filter? Is it like a dude in a room? 
Yeah. So a lot of times you can actually, you can reverse engineer who the person is and then understand their intent. Um, And so a lot of people have um, like premium um, uh, telegram channels or um, are promoting a specific type of company or a specific type of, you know, coin as an example. And they, they inherently go into a conversation with that bias. And so our team looks at who the individual is, where do they actually come from? And then, you know, tries to figure out, is this person doing this for the right reasons, basically? And um, a lot of, you know, I mean, as you can imagine, like these low float companies or low float stocks or low float equities or low float tokens or what have you. I mean, those are all kind of ripe for, um, you know, uh, wrecking, you know, uh, early investors who don't know what they're doing. So, um, so yeah, we, we do a lot of kind of analysis on, on that. But from purely like a trading standpoint, you know, we're, we're pretty hands off as long as it's clear that, you know, you are um, you know, sharing your bias, obviously saying that you are an investor or that, you know, you are positioned for this thing to, you know, uh, be successful over a specific time range. You know, we really try to have people like take it seriously. And if they do, then, um, you know, go for it. Talk about whatever you want. But um, So you filter yeah. out bad intent, not shitty chart ideas. <laughs> Just because you drew the worst pattern ever and your lines are all in the wrong places, that's that's on you, buddy. And and up to someone else to to recognize. Yeah, yeah you're going to get trolled by the community more than by us. And that's just yeah. good, not good at sharing charts. So, yeah. So at what, at what point do you become literally the only place that people come to talk about trading? Like when does Twitter become irrelevant because everybody's on trading view and, and chatting? I mean, that it's a really interesting one. You know, I, it's even working at Stockwoods for, for five years, we, we asked ourselves that question a lot too. Um, you know, I don't really know if there's like a switching point. I think that the thing is, is people really entrench in a network and any successful social network has these, not just hooks, but uh, they build moats. And um, Twitter's moat is uh, the network that people have already built there, right? So not only do you follow, you know, uh, Pomp and XYZ and all these other people, I mean, like they also follow you. So that's, that's naturally building that moat around, around what you've already built. So it really requires a, a um, kind of critical mass of people to actually invest in the product. And then, you know, um, that'll actually kick off a lot of different, um, you know, nuanced conversations, but um, we, we really don't, I guess, um, you know, condone one or the other. I mean, we know that we're really good at technology the fact that social is a part of that is for some people and not for others. And, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I think that, you know, we've thought a lot about actually integrating Twitter or integrating discord or integrating uh, telegram, because we know full well that, you know, everybody on there is also in a, in a you know, tough, it's amazing to me how many people are have telegram channels. Like I, I it's literally sure. mind blowing. I have no idea how they evolve so fast, but um. Hey. Yeah. And it's such a suboptimal platform for what they're using it for. Like, it. yes, I want to sign into Telegram and see 9,000 missed messages and then go try to see. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me as well because it's sort of like. It's, it's really so, not a experience. Yeah. Yeah. So no. we've thought about a lot. Like, do we want to build the only experience or do we want to kind of be the open framework where you can build in your own experiences? Um, and so we're very much working through that, but, um, I mean, in terms of, you know, people sharing charts, I mean, people share our charts across every network and, um, pretty much any telegram channel, um, that I'm in, uh, you know, there ends up being trading view charts in there. Oh yeah. 
Same on Twitter. I've never seen a chart that's not trading you. Unless it's a, at this point, like I used to see Coinigy, is that what it was called? I don't even know, but I used to see their charts in like 2017. Yeah. I've never seen a chart that's not trading you unless it's just an asset that's not on trading view. And it's one of those garbage trading view copy platforms like chart rx.gov.org crap, <laughs> you know, like I, I, whatever you have to, but otherwise it's all trading view. Yeah. 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 There's somebody else. For sure. And, you know, I mean, we're also integrating our charts to every other site too. So I don't know if you ever use like a Binance or a Bitpanda or anything. Sure. Like that. Yeah. It's your charts. They're also our charts. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. That's Isn't awesome. It? So then uh, before we, I know we're here, but yeah. uh, well, what, are, what are the next, you know, uh, five years look like at TradingView? Like, I know the desktop is a huge push, but what's the biggest thing that we're going <clears> to <throat> see? Am I going to like think of a chart and it's going to, yeah, send yeah. my order off and yeah. um, get a stop out before I've even decided know that I thought of it. Plug it into your neck. Yeah, let's go, it, man. Immediately uh, upload it and then download it. Um, I mean, broadly speaking, we're we're uh, we're constantly. You know what I think of TradingView really is a rough cut gem, and I, I don't know if you saw the movie, but it's, it's also. Of course. Oh my god, that movie! I'm still stressed. No <laughs> <Still> stress, <laughs> literally the entire time. <laughs> Um, but I think of TradingView as a rough cut gem. I mean, like they have really good technology. They have a really good DNA. You have a really good culture. And, um, and broadly speaking, you know, the best thing that we can do is just amplify that. So I don't even really think we have to reinvent the wheel. It's just sure. about scaling that um, to the nth degree. You know, there's a lot that we could do uh, for the data world. And, you know, I've been in the kind of fintech space, specifically in trading tech for, for almost eight years now. I can tell you that the, the number of monopolies there are in the data world that basically restrict access to data, make it impossible to get, you know, it's, it's like a constant battle. And, um, and I think that the best thing that we can do is break down those barriers so that people can get access to as much data as possible and for as least um, as possible. So we have some big stuff coming in, in the first quarter around that. Um, but I, I really do think that any kind of data you can imagine, chances are we'll probably chart it at some point in time. And, uh, and so anything that people have, like from a request standpoint, obviously reach out to us because we're constantly adding it. We have a whole- I was looking at your coronavirus charts at one point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we thought about, okay, well, we could do coronavirus. I mean, we might as well do like, let's do Spanish flu. Like, I don't know, we could literally chart all these things if we wanted to. Um, yeah. so that's a big goal. I think is just, um, again, democratization of as much data as possible. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, you know, we're doing more than just charts. And I think that's a big thing to keep in mind is that, you know, if you really invest in the platform, you'll realize like our screener tools are getting pretty intense. We have yeah, awesome. another completely new tool that'll be launching, um, in Q1 as well. It's just a different way to visualize, um, data, uh, by asset class and type, um, but yeah, so we're, I think it's, again, it's like the, the, the core, the kernel is there. Now it's just kind of like growing around that um, in a bigger way. And yeah. But, and then, you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're an open book, so we're always interested in feedback. Um, and uh, so, yeah, folks like yourself are, are I bother are, your team all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free ideas. Send them over, Scott. Get them over. Yeah. Usually they, I don't think they like me, but I bother them all the time. Um, yeah, that's awesome to hear. So where can people uh, keep up with you after this, follow you and follow you guys' progress? Yeah. Um, I mean, follow TradingView anywhere. You know, myself, I actually have uh, my original Twitter handle is from when I was 
God, in college, I just never changed it, but it's, it's Crosby venture. And, uh, I actually thought about like, Oh, I'll start a venture firm someday, but you know, I left it because maybe I will someday. Um, so people can follow me, uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, tune into trading view. I mean, you know, we just launched live streams, so people are watching those all day and, um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. the follows. Well, I love what you guys are doing. You're the most, arguably the most fundamental platform that I use on a daily basis. I mean, I probably, I would, I don't even know how to look, but I bet I have 3000 charts saved. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm easily. I have to, because I chart things for like, you know, newsletter subscribers and people on Twitter all the time. I mean, I've charted probably half the stuff on that platform. It's incredible. So I love it. It's the first thing I check, you know, when I sit down at my desk and the last thing I check before I shut down. So I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys have coming in the future. And uh, I love this chat. So we're going to do this again. So I want to cross 50% uh, crypto attrition so that I can say that I was right, or it'll be 66% for me to be right. But uh, So we can schedule ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, have a good one. See you, Scott.